Hey, this is Jason from Slapdash, and this episode is sponsored by 606 Iron, located in the Big M Plaza in Whitley City, Kentucky. 606 Iron has cardio equipment, free weights, numerous weight training machines, weekly kettlebell classes, and tanning beds. Stop by 606 Iron for membership information or call 606 310 4918. History of science and everything else. They slap down a new topic and dash off to next. It's a great big world with so much to know, like cryptids, time travel, and the history of Poe. If you want to be a smarty, better learn something fast with Shannon and Jason on Slapdash Podcast. On today's episode, we are discussing the most influential toys of all time. Across from me is the reigning Rubik's Cube champion of Kentucky, and not to mention a very proficient Lego builder, <laughs> Shannon Deaton. Shannon, how are you today, sir? I'm doing great. I brought my Legos. I brought my Rubik's Cube. I'm ready to build a Rubik's Cube out of Legos. How's that sound? And that's How's that hit you? That's that's deep right there. <laughs> it's pretty. I mean, that's like yeah. pure talent right there. It's philosophical. If you a can, bit. if you can do that, mm-hmm. hats off to you. Yeah, I can't do that. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> Too I, bad, I I can't do a Rubik's cube if I cheat. I mean, oh, yeah? you could give me like an hour, like some uh, like a stick gl- or you know, glue stick, mm-hmm. and have me peel the stickers off of the, <laughs> and I still wouldn't be able to do it. That's awesome. But I think you're pretty good. I, you showed me you have some you have some patterns down. Man, I've I've turned a cube or two. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the Rubik's Cube, obviously, is just one of these toys that we're going to talk right. about today. And the uh, the toys we're talking about, I mean, they, these are old school toys. You know, not battery operated toys that require two hours to assemble. Just plain old toys. Your parents and your grandparents' toys, Shannon. Yeah, good, right? good old toys. Kind of like, kinda like uh, paddle ball. Now, we're not going to talk about paddle ball, but yeah. along those same lines. Same right? thing. Yeah. No, no batteries required. No batteries. These toys are cultural icons and therefore influential in the toy industry. So, Shannon, we're going to start things off with the good old-fashioned yo-yo. Oh, man. Nothing is just as simple and as American as a yo-yo, right? It's a toy. Except maybe apple pie. it's fun. Yeah. (laughs) So, believe it or not, there are mosaics featuring the Greeks playing with a yo-yo or or a yo-yo-like device as far back as 440 B.C., are you serious? And when I did the research on this, I thought that has to be a typo. There's no way. Did, did I did I spell yo-yo correctly or whatever? And I look, and sure enough, you can Google pictures and they have these 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 uh, paintings and like in these uh, mosaics that are quite literally oh my thousands of years old now, and they look just like yo-yos. And there's a string coming down, and there's there's several different you know pictures of this that all signs point to. That, that's a yo-yo. You know, they had pictures wow. of kids with them. So 440 B.C., kind of a time-honored toy there. Man, anybody doing like, like Sophocles, walking the dog? You're like walking the dog. <laughs> yeah. What's the cradle thing? Can you do the, Can you do some of that stuff? Like no, any of those tricks? No, I can't do anything. No. I can't even, I can barely get the yo-yo like out of the package. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so no around the world or? <laughs> no, I can't do anything. I, I can just kind of look at. Uh, it kind of mesmerizes me if you get the ones that glow. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, glow. <laughs> What's this trick? <laughs> that, that's all I got. Turn the lights out. Yeah. But the uh, the first yo-yo company in America was founded in 1928 by uh, Pedro Flores in Santa Barbara, California. And by November of 1929, Flores's company employed 600 workers 
and they were producing 300,000 yo-yos each and every day. How many workers? So within <laughs> within one year, 600 workers, and they were making 300,000 yo-yos. A day? Each and every single day by 1929, yeah. Just that doesn't sound right. Yep. Robots? And I, and I believe, <laughs> yeah. And, and I believe I read that he started his company with 12 yo-yos. <laughs> which is kind of funny when you think about that it's like it's a, it's just me and my 12 buddies you know? oh my god but he literally had like a dozen yo-yos and sold them and thought hey i can make those and that's really kind of how he started his started his company and within one year he's making hundreds of thousands I a year i don't see how 600 people is making 300,000 300, yo-yos it's <laughs> a lot of yo-yos but but to be fair it's string and like a circular wooden object probably i'm, I'm right? sure they were winding them like physically winding them yeah yeah so maybe and if, if, if Henry Ford had been doing this, I bet it had been done <laughs> much more efficiently, I, yeah, I'd he, imagine. He'd have the assembly line on That's it. That's right. right. Uh, in, in 1932, uh, Donald Duncan formed the famous Duncan Yo-Yo Company in Luck, Wisconsin. And since then, millions and millions of yo-yos have flooded our nation. And in fact, the yo-yo was inducted into the National Toy Hall of Fame in 1999. Yeah, it was. It should be for a good reason. Absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, uh, yo-yos are just one of those toys when you immediately think traditional toys. I mean, easily, I think that would be on everyone's top 10 list. It is. I had a couple uh, different, like, cool yo-yos when I was oh. a kid. I had one from a company called Yo Mega Zone. Have you ever heard of this? <laughs> <laughs> Yo Mama what? Yeah. what you say? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this was one of those that you could sort, you know, you could throw down and it would stay there. Uh-huh. I, I think they call it a sleeper or something. I'm not full with these in like 25. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I think you're holding out on your yo-yo knowledge because I'm like, uh, how do you spell yo-yo? And you're like talking about sleepers and stuff. Well, or you'll make a zone as a matter of fact. But no, I mean, you would throw it down into a sleeper and it just spin there. And then that would let you do some of the tricks like the, I don't know, the it's like a grandfather clock thing. Have you seen that? How you kind of wind it up? No, I have seen that. Rock yeah. back and forth. I don't know how you do that, but I, yeah. I have one of those, and then I also have one called a yo-yo ball. You ever heard of the yo-yo ball? Uh, maybe. That kind of sounds familiar a little bit. This one, instead of being like the traditional shape of the yo-yo that kind of looks like an Oreo, uh-huh. this one was a literal ball. But the cool thing about it is whenever you threw it down, it would just automatically come up, come back. It had some kind of mechanism in it that would make it just return to you. Just sort of immediately. Just immediately. Down. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But I busted that on the concrete, <laughs> like within 10 minutes of getting it. So <laughs> life of a yo-yo. That's my yo-yo stories. But anyway, so Jason, we've already talked a little bit about the Rubik's Cube, but uh, the Rubik's Cube is a 3D combination puzzle invented in 1974 by Hungarian sculptor and professor of architecture, Erno Rubik. Rubik, not rubric. <laughs> I always say rubric. I, I think it's too. maybe it's because yeah. of the educational background. I know? think that's what Give it is. Give me my rubrics that's cube. Right. <laughs> the toy was originally named the Magic Cube and was licensed by Rubik to be sold by Ideal Toy Corp. in 1980. On the original classic Rubik's Cube, each of the six faces was covered by nine stickers, each of one of six solid colors, white, red, blue, orange, green, and yellow. Still the same exact way today. And as you mentioned, some people would peel the stickers off of those early Rubik's Cubes and quote-unquote solve sure, <laughs> the <yeah>. Rubik's Cube. <laughs> you mean me? Yeah. A lot of Rubik's Cubes today have painted faces, so unfortunately you can't do that. Unless you're really creative, in which case you go around and just kind of repaint the thing. The Rubik's Cube remains popular today and has earned sales figures of nearly $1 billion in the last three years. So not even like of all time, but just in the last just three recently. years. Wow. It's a experience a resurgence of popularity because of something called speed cubing. 
Have you heard yeah. of this? I think uh, we were talking about this maybe a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about this episode. Yeah. You know, trying to prepare for it. And uh, we talked a little bit about the art of practice, and we mentioned a yep. guy named Felix Zimdegs, and he is one of the reigning champions. I think he actually has the world record for solving the Rubik's Cube in like four to five seconds. <laughs> just just an impossible. Four to five seconds. <laughs> you must be an alien. Yeah. Who Plus can peel the like, stickers that like, fast? You should see him just peeling those stickers <laughs> off and just yeah, sticking them back big on. Big time cheater. <laughs> That's right. But it, it's a really hard puzzle to solve. I, I have to make a correction from the, the last time we talked. I think in one of the previous episodes, I said there was something like four like trillion possibilities or something <laughs> that the cube could be scrambled into. It's actually much more than that. There are 43 quintillion possible combinations. That's 43 with 18 zeros. It's so, a lot of zeros. So, yeah, it's, it's a complex wow. thing. The cube was so popular in the 70s and early 80s that a 12-year-old kid named Patrick Bossert wrote a strategy guide in 1981 named You Can Do the Cube. <laughs> you read this? <laughs> no, I'm not, obviously, because <laughs> well, I'm horrible. A lot of people read it. The book was a New York Times bestseller that was originally just meant for the kid's friends, but it just so happened that the kid was friends with an editor at Penguin Books. <laughs> the editor saw the book, helped uh, Bossert publish it, and it quickly sold more than 750,000 copies. Wow. So people wanted to do the cube, man. That's pretty cool. It is. So what do you have next? Shannon, the slinky was invented by Richard James in 1943, and it was pretty interesting how the creation of the slinky occurred. Uh, James was a naval mechanical engineer who was working on a spring system to stabilize sensitive instruments aboard ships. So th this sort of begins like maybe a Marvel supervillain thing, right? <laughs> you know, like I'm in the military. I'm working on some kind of special thing. And so one night, you know, there's a storm outside and he's working on some <laughs> right. some, some sprockets. And well, cogs so, and <laughs> so just like in a Marvel, uh, a Marvel story, uh, a fortunate accident happened. Fortunate. Yes, fortunate. James accidentally knocked off one of the springs uh, that he had basically had been working on, and he watched it walk down the table, down to a pile of books, and finally into the floor. And James told his wife, quote, I think I have found something. Oh, he sure did. There you go. So shortly thereafter, he and his wife, Betty, formed the or formed James Industries. <laughs> the Slinky League. <laughs> <laughs> they would fight crime forevermore. Right. They just their arms were just slinkies like all over the place. <laughs> in in November of nineteen forty five, James's slinky was granted permission to have a presentation at the popular <laughs> department store Gimbals. The slinky was granted permission. <laughs> yes. That's how smart it was. <laughs> the slinky was a huge hit and sold four hundred unit four hundred units within ninety minutes. What? They sold 400 slinkies. No one knew what a slinky was. Wow. And within an hour and a half, 400 people said, hey, I got to have a slinky. Yeah, so that could have been anything. Have you seen these things? I mean, they're just a ball of metal. They're mostly plastic yeah, and nowadays. Slinky and slinky. I don't think ball of metal is probably the wire. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. Yeah. yeah. That's great, there's though. Not a, there's not a lot to them. But but 400 people, or at least 400 units, so within the first 90 minutes. Uh, and in 1946, it was introduced at the American Toy Fair. And then from there, it just absolutely exploded. Just blew up. Yeah. Over 300 million slinkies have been sold since 1960. And it's just like a metal little object that just kind of uses gravity mm -hmm. and resistance, and it's the right kind of 
physics resistance it just works. Uh, yeah the, the 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 weight of the metal and as richard james says you know he said I, I think i found something so i think he did he did i had a couple of those i had one of the original metal slinkies and we i did had too a staircase when i was a kid yep. did you ever let it walk down or yes my my yeah. at my grandpa's house he had a a long set of stairs going down to the basement and uh yeah i got one i think for christmas one year i was probably seven or eight years old and and yeah i, I immediately ran because i had seen on tv or whatever yeah. and, and i immediately ran to the the stairs this is and, what i have to do right and now and <laughs> it worked all the way down to the ground that's yeah. awesome and so you know as it went down the steps i was like and slinking and slinking and, and life <laughs> and was sure good was yeah everything was good did uh did you ever let them race did you ever have more than one uh i don't think i did no i, I would let them race yeah, that was a lot of fun just to see who the champ would be you know and here's the weird thing you would find one that would consistently beat the other and I, I, there must have been something in just, like you said, like the tensioning of one right. versus another. Because, yeah, I found the champ, man. He he would so that, he would so take the on the same other same one sort of consistently would win every time. Sure would. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing uh, that I never saw, but as I'm thinking about it, it would be pretty creepy. You ever saw Slinky go back up the stairs? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> because, because that's unnatural. <laughs> I'd be like in a corner like curled up in the fetal position sucking my thumb <laughs> we need to get john carpenter on the phone that sounds i've oh, never uh, seen that in a movie but it just for some reason occurred to me we've been talking about like our halloween episodes we'll be doing in october that that's kind of interesting man could you imagine scary. just yeah like having some kind of you know wild looking little kid like looking down you know oh, like talking in reverse oh talking in reverse <laughs> slink yeah. it's slink it's <laughs> just going up the steps <laughs> oh no oh gosh i have to have to uh pluck my eyes out <laughs> What do you got next, Shannon? Well, let's talk about uh, something that you need your eyes for, the Viewmaster, Jason. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I spoke too soon. You spoke too soon. The Viewmaster is a trademark name for a type of toy that one could look through and view special stereoscopic 3D film, which created the illusion of a 3D image. You ever had one of these? Uh, I did, yeah. And these were pretty cool. I, I'm not going to lie. Cool. I actually yeah. were pretty, I was, I was a pretty big fan of these. I remember my, my parents would buy me, you know, sort of the, the different cartoons or images yeah, whatever yeah, they yeah. were and you would just sort of you know insert them and take them out and you pull the little handle down right. and uh oh yeah I, th I thought i was big time most of these were like red plastic and they had like an orange lever yep. and you pull it that's down. the kind i had yep. yeah that, that was pretty popular the earliest reels that were used in the Viewmaster included tourist attractions and travel views which were meant to be interesting to users of all ages but it wasn't long until they acquired all of these different like cartoon properties especially from disney and then that was it the sky oh, yeah. was the limit when you could look through that thing and see goofy and mickey and all those folks and now i guess elsa and right. <laughs> whoever Mulan, whoever yeah, it, it just took off the viewmaster was introduced in 1939 which was four years after the advent of kodachrome color film which made it possible to produce and use the high quality photographic color images associated with the toy in february 2015 mattel announced a collaboration with google to produce a new version of the view, of the Viewmaster based on virtual reality using smartphones. Have you ever had one of these like Google Cardboard or uh, 3D device VR devices where you put your phone in? Uh, yes. Yep. It, it, they're they're looking at making one of these uh, a Viewmaster branded one of these, and actually they've already mm, that's made. Pretty it. cool. Yeah. Uh, in 2019, Mattel. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> We've joked about something similar to this in the past, but get this, Jason. In 2019, Mattel partnered with MGM to announce an upcoming feature film based on the Viewmaster, starring George Clooney. No, I thought you were going to say Michael Keaton. <laughs> That's the only way to go. Yeah, but 
What do you make of that? I mean, what what's that even about? I don't even know what that even means. Like, I mean, I understand the words that you said, <laughs> but that doesn't make sense. It's like, come here, Barbara. Look at this crazy <laughs> oh. thing. And then they proceed for two and a half hours to look into the Viewmaster feature film. I and wonder, Viewmaster. I wonder. I wonder if the movie is like just different slides, just <laughs> like one after another for like two and a half hours. You know, like there's you know there's Bambi in the field. <laughs> yeah, there's Bambi in flower. You know, I, I think we're out of ideas in Hollywood. It's it's time to close up shop. It's been, it's been, it's been a rough few months <laughs> for sure. So what's up next? Shannon, the Lego Group, which is based in Denmark, began manufacturing Legos in 1949, and the motto of the Lego company is "Only the best is good enough." Oh. I think I may tell my children that from now on. That's pretty good. That Just could be anything. the Creekmore family motto. That's right. Only the best is good enough. <laughs> Make make that's, your bed. That's yeah. <laughs> just whatever. That's great. Do the dishes. Only the best. Only the best is good. <laughs> is enough. good enough. That sounds like one of the state mottos we were talking about back in our fiftieth episode. <laughs> yeah. Only the best is good enough. The motto of forward. <laughs> forward. Yeah. One of the states was just forward. Onward. Upward. Onward. Yeah, that's good stuff. The uh, the Lego Group uh, just made more and more Legos over the decades uh, from that point on, and in 1978, the company began producing characters that are now common in all their sets. Uh, there's even been, obviously, video games and movies based on Lego characters. Have you seen any of these? I have. That, that movie was actually pretty clever. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know it, they're sort of the blocky characters. They look just like the ones that you buy like in the sets, <laughs> but... They're funny and it just works. It just works. Yeah, I thought it would be a cash grab, but that was a good movie. Actually, it was a good comedy. Yeah, on it's all merit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in May of 2013, the largest model ever created was displayed in New York City, and it was uh, a one-to-one scale of an X-wing fighter from Star Wars <laughs> that was made up of over five million individual pieces. Good night, The man. largest Lego model ever created, a one-to-one scale version. <laughs> How do we know what a one-to-one X-Wing... I mean, I guess we have blueprints. Well, whatever they tell us, I guess. <laughs> yeah. All right. Of an X-Wing fighter, over five million individualized or individual uh, pieces. And Shannon, that there, there are actually 19 billion Legos made each and every year. Every year. 19, 19 billion. And by far, this toy hurts more than any other toy. Because say. when you step on one of these, it's like a hot poker has oh. has like went up your spine. Man, <laughs> I've only done it like a couple of times. I've been very blessed in my life to have some kind of Lego detection, you know, Lego sense. It's like Spidey <laughs> sense. I'll just be walking through the house and all of a sudden I just see like uh, images flashing before my eyes. Don't do it. <laughs> I look down, there's a Lego. But man, it's awful. Oh my gosh. You know, I guess my girls didn't really play with with those very much when they were when they were younger so i guess i really not never got accustomed to them mm. being at the house and so my guard was down and so <laughs> but about four or five times that happened to me and and inevitably they you know, it was always like standing up vertically yeah. it wouldn't even be like on the like horizontally what is it about the earth's axis that forces legos <laughs> to, to go into that position like they're never just laying on their side where it wouldn't hurt a tenth Remember on, remember on Facebook, I think like back in February, where the, broom the brooms, where everyone's brooms would just stick straight up, and <laughs> turns out that just happens every day or Legos whatever. <laughs> or whatever. But yeah, but I have stepped on some Legos and had like a like a legit spiritual experience before. Oh, did you really? <laughs> it's hurt so bad. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's man. been awful. Good deal. So, so Shannon, let's uh, let's take a break and learn all about our Slapdash products. Let's do that. Hey everyone, we're happy to announce that the podcast now has a merchandise store. 
Shannon, everyone loves hoodies and everyone loves coffee. Yeah, and you can pick up a nice Slapdash hoodie or a Slapdash mug and drink your next cup of joe right out of a Slapdash cup. (laughs) We also have t-shirts and stickers. Yeah, we do. So come on by and log on to www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store. That's www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store. We are back and we are discussing the 10 most influential toys in history. And up next is the Super Soaker. <laughs> you ever had a Super Soaker? Oh, yeah. 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 I've had, I've had a bunch of these. I've had all varieties of, of the Super Soaker, but it is a brand of recreational water gun that uses manually pressurized air to shoot water with greater power, range, and accuracy than conventional squirt pistols. <laughs> I've, I've had a lot of different types of uh, squirt guns over the years. I've had like the little 50 cent, <laughs> oh, you yeah. know, the, the little tiny cricket looking thing yeah. that you can shoot that basically the water runs all over your hand before it goes out. <laughs> and then I've had like the Mac Daddy Super Soaker that you need like the backpack. <laughs> <laughs> in order to it carry. makes a sound like I think it was semi-automatic you know it's it just great but the super soaker was invented in 1989 by Air Force and NASA engineer Lonnie Johnson and designed by William Rauchy the prototype combined PVC pipe acrylic glass and an empty plastic soda bottle so that was the very first Super wow. Soaker. Yeah, kind, kind of clever. The water gun was first named the Power Drencher before becoming <laughs> the, the, the Power Drencher. <laughs> it sure was. Uh, yeah, the, the Power Drencher. Uh, before becoming the Super Soaker in 1991. The water gun is now produced by Hasbro under the Nerf brand and has generated more than $1 billion in total sales. Here's a fun fact for you. The most significant upgrade to the gun came in 1996 when the constant pressure system was introduced. <laughs> and this this system is so novel and historical that it's it's widely called the CPS system, right? There's a whole there's a whole group of articles out there talking wow. about the CPS system, this the is constant why, pressure system. This is why I do podcasts. <laughs> That's right. Because I, I wasn't aware Th- of that. This is what you can learn from Slapdash That's on right. a weekly basis. This new line had a separate compression chamber that contained a thick-walled rubber balloon. Whenever a user pumped the gun, water filled the balloon and stayed under pressure until it was unleashed by the user. <laughs> I like that word, unleashed, there, because that's exactly what happened the compression chamber could hold approximately one liter of highly pressurized water and once the trigger was pulled the leader shot out of the gun in about one second wow just i guess that really is unleashing (laughs) it was so powerful that the shooter could actually feel the gun recoil (laughs) (laughs) good night it's a big deal so buy them all children (laughs) (laughs) well some injuries were reported imagine that some who were shot by the gun and shot by the gun. I mean, come on. Some who were shot by the gun complained of stinging skin, bruises, and even blurred vision and dizziness after getting shot in the head. Yeah, because that's the same things that happen if you had a pressure washer. That's right. <laughs> they would also burn your skin. Yeah, this was not a good idea. Right. There, there's been a lot of rethinking this over the years, but there's even an urban legend that oh, no. someone's eye popped out of the socket after they were hit in the face at close range. I don't know why that's funny, TJ Creekmore. Somewhere, there's a kid... And all Could he you? wanted for Christmas was a Red Rider, I mean a Super Soaker. 
could you imagine? <laughs> like, he shot somebody's eye out with it. Like, it's like, you know, it's, it's a bright neighborhood. And it's the 4th of July. And there's kids like, you know, like, oh, take this, Johnny. And then, right. and then Johnny just collapses. <laughs> no. He runs in the house like holding his eyeball. Oh, man, that's awful. <laughs> that's awful. Due to safety concerns, rightfully so, the gun has now been phased out and replaced <laughs> with less powerful models. It had to be phased out. <laughs> that's not something you could take all at once. Right. You know, there, there was a whole amendment dedicated to this. You, you can't take these guns away. The kids rose up. <laughs> Which meant there were some people that wanted to continue that for a while. That is correct. Yeah, wow. they sure did. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? So, Jason, what's up next? Not the super soaker. <laughs> no. I think you. It's I think, phased out. I think you've won on that one. Uh, Shane, I have Barbies. Uh, do you? I do. <laughs> well, well, that's nice, but what's our next <laughs> toy? <laughs> Barbie is a Mattel product that hit the hit the market on March 9th, 19. That's good. On March 9th, 1959, uh, the creator was Ruth Handler. Uh, Handler noticed that her daughter Barbara, uh, uh-huh. get it, Barbie, Barbara, yeah, got it. Also had a son named Kenneth. No, Ken, no, really, really, yeah, for real. Hmm. Uh, Handler noticed that her daughter Barbara enjoyed giving her paper dolls adult roles. And Handler believed it was important for the Barbie doll to be adult-like as opposed to a, to a uh, traditional baby doll, basically just, just to be different. To date, over one billion Barbies uh, have been sold. And there was an interesting quote here uh, from The Economist, the magazine The Economist, and it says this, From her early days as a teenage fashion model, Barbie has appeared as an astronaut, surgeon, Olympic athlete, downhill skier, aerobics instructor, TV news reporter, vet, rock star, doctor, army officer, air force pilot, summit diplomat. (laughs) That one's really specific. (laughs) That really is. Uh, Rap musician, presidential candidate. The party was undefined, it says. Oh, okay. Probably smart idea. (laughs) Baseball player, scuba diver, lifeguard, firefighter, engineer, dentist, and many more. When Barbie first burst into the toy shops, uh, just as the 1960s were breaking, the doll market consisted mostly of babies designed for girls to cradle, rock, and feed. By creating a doll with adult features, Mattel enabled girls to become anything they wanted. Wow, even a summit diplomat, huh? Even a summit diplomat. I don't know a lot of five-year-olds that's like, hey, Mommy, I want the new summit diplomat Barbie doll. (laughs) What do you want to be when you grow up? (laughs) Well, funny you should ask. Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, And then something a little little bizarre and concerning, have you heard of the Barbie syndrome? No. Okay, this this is... Is that a thing? Yes, it is a thing. Uh, It's basically the desire to have the physical appearance as Barbie. And that this, that <laughs> you're looking at me like I'm insane. <laughs> that that uh, a lot of like adolescent girls kind of develop. Well, not a lot, but but some adolescent girls develop this mentality, and it even carries over into like adulthood, like in, into uh, girls in their twenties. Where, Jason, where her, her waist is like well one inch around. Yeah, and so they they want to like basically replicate. Like those that look that look and those dimensions and all that, huh. and it leads to eating disorders. It leads to like basically addiction to like plastic surgery. Wow! And if and you can actually kind of Google and kind yeah. of YouTube some of this, and it's it's really sad. It's like they're genuinely obsessed with looking like Barbie. Wow! And uh, it's it's a condition, so they they call it the Barbie syndrome. So that that's a it's it's a little different, but it's also pretty sad. That's why I saw someone had uh, recreated Barbie like. Uh, 
if her physical dimensions were accurate. Right. And, and they showed that basically she would have nowhere to contain her internal organs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is true. <laughs> if, if this were a real person, literally, I mean, it's, oh my it's just bizarre. The dimensions there. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> That's why it's a syndrome. <laughs> that is correct. And it's also sad that and concerning. That would be an accurate name for it, yeah. My uh, my daughter recently got one of those, like, three-foot-tall Barbies <laughs> yeah. into her by uh, her, her grandma oh, and yeah. grandpa. And, man, that thing is creepy. I'm, I'm just going to be honest. Uh, and it's just, she she will stand it and, and let it, like, be looking out the window. Yeah, and today see. we were sitting at the dinner table eating, oh. and I didn't know it was over there. And I just happened to kind of glance up, and I knew everybody I knew in the house was standing, was sitting at the table. And I looked over, and here's this three-foot doll just with its arms outstretched looking out the window. And I thought, Harper, that's my daughter, did you put the doll by the window? <laughs> What what doll father? What doll? <laughs> it's playing with the slinky. Oh no! <laughs> Just back slinky, and forth. Slinky. I have two daughters. Mine are a little bit older now, but we definitely had a, our share of uh, Barbies. We also had our share of Monster High dolls. Oh yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with those. I've heard of those? But yes, we, we we have one. You have quite a bit. Oh, more we than have that. Uh, yeah, we have a massive collection that will probably be used to buy a car one day or something i don't know but anyhow <laughs> what do you have next up next is play-doh you ever heard of play-doh oh i love play-doh yeah, yeah. play-doh is a modeling compound used for arts and crafts projects at home originally it was manufactured in cincinnati ohio as a wallpaper cleaner in the 1930s because apparently uh, i guess people used a lot of coal burning stove type things and the wallpaper would get sooty with, yeah. with the coal so they would take this substance play-doh i guess it wasn't called play-doh at the time maybe work dough <laughs> i don't work work dough. <laughs> bring forth the cleaning dough <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it had this off-white kind of color to it. You know, nowadays it basically comes in any color right. you would want. But it had this off-white appearance, and they would just scrub the walls down with it. By the mid-1950s, people wised up, and the product was reworked and marketed to schools. And it became a part of a lot of science type projects and arts and crafts type oh, projects. Yeah. According to Hasbro, the compound is primarily a mixture of water, salt, and flour, the compound also includes a petroleum additive to make it feel smooth and borax to keep it from developing mold. So I don't know what borax is, but thanks. Sounds official. <laughs> it's a good thing. More than 2 billion cans of Play-Doh were sold between 1955 and 2005. And in 2005, Play-Doh was being sold in 75 countries at 95 million cans per year. Oh, my goodness. And that might be the record so far as far as like mass producing stuff. 95 right. million cans. That's a lot. Every year. Man. To mark Play-Doh's 50th anniversary, Demeter Fragrance Library created a limited edition fragrance inspired by Play-Doh's distinctive odor. <laughs> the fragrance was marketed to, quote, highly creative people who seek a whimsical scent reminiscent of their childhood. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say... Okay, I will say that I, I, I am a big fan of the scent of Play-Doh. Okay. And if I had to pick like two just random items mm -hmm. that I could open the can up yep. and immediately get that. Sensation that, of a, uh, a reminiscent of uh, your childhood. Yeah. Whimsical scent. One would be a can of tennis balls. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. That. That's a that's a very distinct odor when you open sure. up a new can of tennis balls, and then I guess it would be play doh. Play doh. Yeah. yeah. You, you you can smell it right now. Yep. Yep. The smell of play doh is so distinctive that in 2017 Hasbro was able to trademark the scent, which the company describes as quote a unique scent formed through the combination of sweet, slightly musky, vanilla-like fragrance with slight overtones of cherry and the natural smell of a salted wheat-based dough. <laughs> yeah. I love how they describe Those it. Those were some good attorneys on that one. That makes me just want to eat a can of that stuff. <laughs> give, give me two cans of your finest Play-Doh. I don't know that I've ever you know, got a whiff of Play-Doh and thought, hmm, that slight overtone of cherry, you know. <laughs> I want to remember, I, I'm going to try to... to uh, memorize that line and the next time like you know my kids have play-doh or something i'm gonna say hmm Mm -hmm. and just rattle that off and then just walk out of the room yeah (laughs) last fun fact here it was discovered that play-doh could create an accurate replica of someone's fingerprint I had no idea about this. Hmm. Otherwise, maybe I wouldn't be a podcaster. You know, right. I could I could go on all sure. sorts of ventures yeah. with that kind of knowledge. In 2005, it was found that Play-Doh fingerprint replicas could fool 90% of all fingerprint scanners. Oh, my goodness. I think we've come a long way since then, but 2005, man, people Somebody, could be doing stuff. Not been that long ago. Yeah, that's wild. So what's up next? Shannon, I have the one that's probably the nearest and dearest to my heart cobra (laughs) it's the good guys it's the good guys gi joe yep so gi joe was extremely popular in the 1980s and 90s uh, and even has a fair amount of popularity today of course gi joe is the property of the hasbro toy company and actually debuted on february 2nd 1964 with a 12 inch action figure not a doll shannon mind you that's right it was an action figure. Yep. The prototypes were originally named Rocky, which <laughs> Rocky was a Marine or a soldier. They were all Rocky? Yeah, just just Rocky. So you know, no Combat Bob or... No, we have Skip, okay. the sailor, yep. and we have Ace, the pilot. Ah, you know, that's gotcha. pretty predictable. That works. Yeah, works for me. However, in 1982, G.I. Joe was relaunched into the three and three-fourths inch characters, you know, the the, the uh, hard plastic uh, that basically are still used today. Those are the ones I best know. Those are the ones, yeah. So those are the ones that I played with growing up. Most kids, and even today, those are the ones that are that are most uh, that are most popular. Uh, by 2004, more than 400 million G.I. Joes were sold, and the reason why 2004 that was the 40th anniversary. Ah. Uh, and also in 2004, G.I. Joe entered the National Toy Hall of Fame. All right. And so growing up, I had dozens and dozens of these. I had I had a lot of Star Wars and a lot of G.I. Joe, mm-hmm. and I kind of it was one of the two. And so I still have a lot of these, you know, that that uh, I've saved. And of course, I had several of the like the the tanks and the helicopters and and that type of thing, right? And mm-hmm. of course, I always watched the uh, the cartoons and the the movies and those things. But one faithful christmas i think i've told the story before uh my cousin he just calls me like on christmas day and he goes come over i love this story yeah he just goes come over you have to come over (laughs) and so he lived like 30 miles away right so my mom had to had to drive me so i don't think i came over like to the next day like you know the 26th or whatever and you were walking and it took a while to get there (laughs) well if i'd have known what was there i would have started walking right and so he wouldn't tell me why he just said you have to come over and so he said, bring your G.I. Joes. <laughs> and so, so I'm bringing like my 15 finest G.I. Joes, right? I'll let you know what you're in and, for. Yeah. So I walk in and it was like 
a band of angels that were singing in the corner and these lights appeared (laughs) and there before me was the honest to goodness gi joe aircraft carrier it was like seeing like a unicorn or something i I, I had only read about it and saw it on a commercial (laughs) and there he was he had it and he's like come sit join me (laughs) so i walk over with my gi joes And I mean, like, next thing I know, it's like New Year's Eve. I mean, I mean, we played for like five days and we were just like on a, you know, we just was drinking Mountain Dew and eating (laughs) eating cheese sticks and playing, playing, you know, G.I. Joe on this uh, aircraft carrier. It was unbelievable. It was one of the best Christmases of my life. That's amazing. Was playing with that aircraft carrier. Yeah. So I'm a big, big fan of G.I. Joe. When I see those instantly, boom, I'm 10 years old again. I love those. I I played with them so much. Uh, I had a couple who actually, they have like a rubber band at the waist and, yes. I, and you wouldn't oh, yeah. know that nope. unless you really were a fan of G.I. Joe right. because that rubber band after a million bazillion yep. twists on the aircraft carrier it breaks yep. eventually and they would just kind of separate at the torso I had a few of those that, that would do that just from yeah. just, just playing with wear and so tear much. type thing yeah yeah, sure so Jason up next we have Beanie Babies you ever heard of Beanie Babies oh yeah I like Beanie Babies and don't judge me for that I no, like Beanie Babies bit, I like man. their names on the little tag on their ear yeah. or whatever yeah kind of unique kind of cool beanie babies are a line of stuffed toys created by american businessman h ty warner who founded ty incorporated in 1986 and that should sound familiar because that is the tag oh, that's yeah. on all the beanie yep. babies it says ty yep right the toys are stuffed with plastic beans and come in many different forms mostly animals although beanie babies were created in 1993 they became a fad in the last half of the 1990s and were cited as being the world's first internet sensation in 1995 hmm. the toys were collected not only as toys but also as a financial investment due to the high resale value of particular models <laughs> apparently you could get these and save them up and sell them later and you, you could get a pretty right. good return on your money the toys were originally only sold in small boutiques which made them more exclusive rare and collectible you know the creator went on to eventually sell them at walmart kmart cracker gas barrel. station cracker barrel yeah. whatever but originally you can only find these in like those small little boutique flower right. shop type yeah. stores the concept of retiring each beanie baby after a while made customers want the dolls even more sure because it was only going to be out limited time for just a little while and these beanie babies were identifiable in two ways first the heart-shaped marker which included their name and often a poem <laughs> i wish i had one <laughs> right now but unfortunately i don't uh and also the the tush tag as it's called <laughs> can you guess where the tush tag was like <laughs> i gotta guess it was usually found at the rear of the doll uh if the and and here's a fun fact if that heart-shaped tag was ripped off the plush instantly lost half its value to collectors wow so don't don't tear your tie no. tie tags off man the original beanie baby models included i'm gonna let you guess they're all animals See how many guests? Let's see. Oh, there's gosh. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's there's nine original models. They're all types of animals. What say you? Okay. Penguin? No penguin. No. Wow. You, okay. get, you get three strikes here. Okay. All right. So that's one. A dog. Yes. Spot the dog. Spot the dog. Yep. A cat. No cat. No that's, cat. That's two strikes. Yep. You got to get creative. I don't want you to lose. I'm pulling for you here. You said so animals, right? They are all animals. Okay. Now, before you guess again, let's see. And these are animals that kids know. They are. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Some are seafaring creatures. Others are amphibious. Okay. <laughs> Frog. 
Yep. Legs the frog. Legs the frog. Good job. You're two for nine. One strike away from uh, <laughs> just just from shame. Just being shamed. Panda yeah. bear. Panda bear. I'm going to give this to you. It's brownie the bear, but close enough. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like seahorse. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll give it to you. That's good. So you got spot the dog, legs <clears throat> the frog, brownie the bear. Uh, you're three for nine. One strike to go. Can you pull it out? Uh, no, I can't pull it out, but I'm going to try. <laughs> well, hold on. Let me give you the name, and then you can guess what type of okay, animal it is. Okay. How about that? All right. Squealer. <laughs> A pig? Yep. He's <laughs> like, nope. Squealer the pig. You got it. All right. All right. Let's see. Um, are there any that are... that are Pinchers. <laughs> Pincher, uh, a lobster? Pinchers the lobster. Well, Really? Done. You got oh, okay. it. Okay. So that's five for nine. The rest are, are pretty tough, I think. So I'm Give s- me a name. I'll just, I'll just guess. All right. Splash. Splash. Uh, a seal. Ooh. Splash the whale. The whale. Three strikes. <laughs> you're, you're shamed. <laughs> I'm, I am shamed. Flash the dolphin, which makes no sense to me. Flash the dolphin. Are dolphins known for like being fast? I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> oh, a monkey. Oh, there's no monkey. There's no monkey either? <laughs> no. And these were for kids, right? <laughs> That's right. Okay. Uh, chocolate the moose. And my favorite. <laughs> chocolate the moose. <laughs> It's like the, it's like they all kind of make sense, and then that one they just kind of like let's just go for it's it. It's just like yeah, the, m- m- mooses are brown. It's mooses, right? Not, not meese. <laughs> Musa. I have four time Musa. Uh, the last one is Patty the platypus. So okay, I wouldn't have got that. We've one. got Squealer the pig, Spot the dog, Flash the dolphin, Legs the frog, Splash the whale, Chocolate the moose, Brownie the bear, Patty the platypus, and Pinchers. The lobster. But no cat or monkey nope. for ch- animals for children. They were sorely disappointed <laughs> okay. that year. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Fun fact, a Beanie Baby was sold in 2000 for more than $3,000. So... Who bought that? Some, some somebody <laughs> bought that. Uh, probably someone who was a, a fan of Chocolate the Moose. <laughs> uh, the Beanie Baby that was sold was Peanut, the Royal Blue Elephant. And why, you ask? The toy was supposed to be Baby Blue instead of royal blue which made the royal blue ones more rare and collectible so three thousand dollars and i still have it sitting on my shelf today well no <laughs> no it's not oh me. i thought do you <laughs> that's pretty good that's pretty good so jason this was a fun episode any honorable mentions or anything we left out that might should have been on here there's well, probably a lot yeah i mean obviously there's there's several probably like a paddle ball yeah i mean you could even i mean you could even if you went board games probably checkers i mean th- sure. things like that if you went electronics nintendo atari, atari game boy there's probably 15 those of those things. yeah so maybe maybe one day we can do like a electronic games i think so yeah i, I would have liked to have seen like gigaped or tamagotchi or something oh, on okay there. yeah that, that was pretty big yeah for a while yeah yeah, yeah those were that's pretty cool thanks to all of our listeners who are joining us on the podcast podcast each week please subscribe to the podcast share it with a friend and follow us on social media you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram with the handle at slapdash pod and we'll catch you in the next episode take care everybody